0: Okay, um, good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. Uh uh cool. <coughs> word. Okay, cool. Um uh, middag dames en It's my foreleg om uh, te gesels vanmiddag met uh, Ashraf Kaji, the writer van die roman Khalil's Journey. Um, Ashraf is also my head of department actually. So, um, I'm a lecturer in the psychology department. He's a professor in the head of the department in the psychology department. <coughs> but I wasn't forced to do the interview. So um, but I won't be able to ask him hard questions. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so I'm not going to say much about, um, about uh, sort of in, in, as an introduction. Um, maybe can, uh, the first thing I can ask you maybe is maybe say something about you know, your background, where you come from, some kind of self-promotion.
1: A bit of self-promotion. Good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for coming. I have learned to be here to be here and talk about the book. In terms of my background, I was born in Cape Town um, in the city, actually, um, in the 1960s. And it was in District 6 before um, the Group Areas Act was declared. Um, and then our family moved away to the suburbs uh, in, the, in the early 70s. Uh, and then as an, a young adult, I went and lived in the United States for several years and did the master's and doctorate and postdoc and everything else. And then I came back to South Africa and to create a job here in Salambos. <laughs> in 10 years later.
0: Now, uh, I've, I've worked at Stellenbosch University from, since 2005, and I sort of have all sorts of literary pretensions and, and desires and wishes and stuff, but I never knew that Ashraf wrote novels, or at least a novel, so maybe could you say something about the secret life as, an, of, as a novelist? When did um, you start writing? Or... <laughs> uh,
1: when did I start writing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I experimented with language, um, and I enjoyed writing creatively. Uh, some years ago, um, even when I was living in the United States, um, and I thought it was a welcome break from scholarly writing. In as much as I enjoy scholarly writing, I go articles and i now forcing as Bible Um, My work, um, I thought, you know, perhaps I can break the rules or bend the rules or not have any rules because scholarly writing is, is for me, a very formulaic, especially if you write as a scientist or a social scientist. Um, It has to conform to a particular style. Uh, It has to conform to a particular structure. And if you write creatively, well, you can kind of make up your own rules, uh, which is exactly what I try to do. Um, There was also a great liberation in terms of being able to create characters and to populate the personality of these characters with attributes and characteristics and traits that I just took from the air and made up, and of course it doesn't really come from the air, it comes from your experience. Um, uh, So so for me that was quite a liberating experience to be able to to experiment in this fashion um, and not to be held to the data or the evidence or uh, to have a line of argument, which Mm. is typically what one does uh, as a scholar.
0: Do you want to maybe say something just about the, the, the story itself? I don't know if everyone's read the novel, but maybe just something about the, the book.
1: Um, the story is really a reflection of, of my love affair with the 20th century, especially the early part of the 20th century. And one of my great laments is the fact that I was born a few decades too late um, in the 1960s when I should really have been born much earlier perhaps in the 20s or 30s or 40s, and I could have experienced a different kind of lifestyle where life was slower um, and there was less technology um, and uh, there was perhaps more ceremony ceremony associated with the day-to-day activities of, of, of life, like moviegoing or visiting people at their homes or... Those kinds of things which uh, to some extent today is a lost art in the era of iPads and cell phones and um, and, uh, and computers and the internet. Um, so the story begins in uh, the early 20th century around 1905 or thereabouts. Um, the, the main character in the, in the story is born and um, there's a TB epidemic and these family members are taken away by that. Um, he grows up uh, and he kind of needs to fashion a path for himself among all of these different challenges that he experiences. Um, he's on the wrong side of apartheid and so there are these uh, uh, issues that he needs to face um, he's also, uh, it, the story is stayed in Cape Town, um, and he's of, of Indian origin, and the Indian and Malay cultures play, play a role in, uh, in, in his life. He's also a Muslim guy, so there are the religious aspects that, 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 that play a role. Um, and uh, the, 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 the milestones or touchstones of the 20th century are uh, nodded at in the story, the Great Depression. Um, the uh, First and Second World Wars, and before that, the sinking of the Titanic, um, the the post-war era, um, and then the 1950s. And I spent some time in the 1950s. Desmond and I have this thing in common. We we like rock and roll music of the mid-50s, and so I spent some time talking about uh, the the youth culture and the teen rebellion and how that influences his life because at that time now in the fifties and sixties he has children and what to make of all of this individualism and materialism and all of these things that are that are happening which which is a little different from the way he was brought up which is a kind of a Victorian nineteenth century um, uh, 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 approach to life. Mm. Um, in the 70s, of course, things change again and there are different political uh, undercurrents that influence the course of his life and then the story ends in the 80s.
0: Yeah, he dies. <laughs> 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 but I'm not that's giving right. anything away by that. And that's interesting actually because in some ways the, the story is, um, you know, it's like, it's not a plot-driven novel. I mean, it's like the, 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 the story is one man's life. You know? yeah. It's like one guy's, one ordinary guy, He's not like a remarkable guy. Right. Um, oh. Is there something I, mean, I find that quite charming? But I mean, is there something, something for you, significant about this uh, focus on
1: this you know, ordinary life? Yeah. I, I did reflect on the ordinariness in the novel, um, and I made a point of saying that you know this is no great orator. He didn't move mountains. He, didn't, he wasn't a social reformer or a great um, public figure. His name never appeared in the newspaper. He was an ordinary character muddling through his life, the way many of us do. Um, and I think it is in the ordinariness and the everydayness um, of of the story that that I try to to, to look at the minutiae of, of the of his life, but I also try to make it a little bit interesting by having humorous anecdotes and and kind of try to provoke the le- the reader a little bit and, and to make the story worth reading so you 're completely right it 's not a plot driven novel and um, um, a couple of people have said to me, you know, they think that plot is overrated. I don't think plot is overrated. I think you do need a plot to kind of grab the reader. Um, this particular novel was thin on plot and perhaps embroidered on on the the moment-to-moment um, musings and activities of, of this person's life and his relationships with his family, with his, uh, with his elders when he was growing up, and then with his children and his spouse.
0: Yeah. Because I was thinking, I mean, if you have, if you speak sort of uh, social science language, a unit of analysis, then <clears throat> this the one person's life, then there's two ways one can read it. On one hand, it, it feel, you could see it as a sort of, you know, even a long life like his, because he gets quite old, is, is nothing. It just blows away in some ways. It blows over. You know? yeah. So there's something about the insignificance of life. On the other hand, there's something about, the, maybe not the grandeur, but something about even the most ordinary life as or some kind of the texture to it that makes it worthwhile, um,
1: yeah no absolutely in fact the the words you use about blowing away at uh, the end of the book, I kind of use that that imagery of mm-hmm. the wind blowing the the, the the words of the story up into the air you know so there, there is yeah. that, that, yeah, you that also start that,
0: with the, the southeaster with know?
1: the southeaster yeah, yeah the yeah. southeaster plays an important role in in the story mm-hmm. uh, because the, the the wind kind of contextualizes many things for him mm-hmm. um, and 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 I think you 're completely right it 's in that everydayness, that the, the texture of, of, of the story, the fabric of it can, yeah. can be can be sensed and, and touched.
0: Yeah. And it's also uh, what, something that I was wondering about, if you could comment on, it seems to me like, because you, you sort of, you tell this ordinary guy's life, so a van geboorte to die and so dood is niks nie, dis net nog gedood. You tell that story, but then so with big, and it's sort of interspersed with minor, family stuff, big things like the Titanic and and, and the world wars and stuff. So on the one hand, this individual life becomes relativized by these big historical forces. But on the other hand, it also seems like maybe the big historical forces and politics is also a little bit relativized by just the this ordinary life? You, you
1: know, I was trying very hard not to write a political novel because in South Africa, political novels are invariably about apartheid and how bad it was and this and that and the other. And I think it's been done many times by far more capable people than I. And, and I, I really didn't want to do that again. Um, uh, and, and so I try to focus on on this individual and his relationships with his immediate... Family Members surrounding him, but try as i might i couldn 't keep the politics out of the story, um, and so the, the the politics, including geopolitics, because what happened in Europe affected South Africa and what happened in, you know, in different parts of the of the world uh, influenced. Uh, the, the political undercurrents in this country, um, and so one needed to take heed and and give a nod to those things that that, that occurred um, and and it matters came to a head i think for, for for the protagonist in the story for Khalil um, when one of his family members now becomes an activist and he has to deal with that because he 's not a political guy he doesn 't want to really deal with all of this political stuff. He doesn't quite understand it. He's a very simple character who had very basic education and all he wants to do is earn a living and get through his life, which is pretty much what he did. But but he couldn't escape uh, the, the geopolitics and, the, right. and in, in fact the national politics. But that's not the crux of the matter really. Hmm. I suppose perhaps if there was a crux um, it would be this individual's life story and the way in which uh, 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 factors around him influence influence yeah. him and his family. I yeah. sort of
0: from a, I sort of teach social psychology from that perspective, so I'm always fascinated by the way that <clears throat> the individual history and the bigger history sort of become entangled. You know, like yeah. sometimes the individual history is sort of shaped by or determined by bigger forces, and the other other times yeah. it's the other way around. But here I thought, I mean, it's interesting though. These things intrude. Politics intrudes. Yeah. Biko is mentioned, and Malcolm X. Yeah. But in the, in the sort of flow of the story, they almost don't become more important than Abbey Road by the Beatles. You know? So, I don't know, is there some kind of also relativizing of politics? Or?
1: Yeah, I suppose, so look, everything, uh, we, we can't get away from the fact that life is political and the personal is political. I mean, the fact that you and I are sitting in this forum is, is a political phenomenon. Why us and not uh, people on the other side of the road? Um, it is the, the forces of politics and history that have shaped our life trajectories that have brought us together into this room. Um, uh, we might not always acknowledge that. We might think, you know, that it's our effort and our individual uh, drive that gets us through our lives, and to some extent that is the case. But at the same time, there are all these contextual things that, uh, that, that must be taken into consideration. Uh, so, I mean, I never really made a... a, a, a A point of thinking about this while Mm. writing the book, but ultimately, you Mm. know, that is one Mm. of the the themes that one might extract from it.
0: Yeah. There's also an interesting uh, sort of the play between the local and and the global here. In a sense, on the one hand, one of the charms of the book is the very localness of it. You you sort of recover some of the textures of, uh, like, Cape Town, Muslims in Cape Town, something that's, that's not familiar to lots of people. On the other hand, also pop culture that's, that's completely global. So was yes. that something particularly interesting to you, that the way the culture is both very local and global?
1: I think so. Um, I mean, I, I think we do live in a globalized world, and, and this globalized world m- might be more salient for us in the present historical moment, but globalization actually started a long, long time ago and And um, the story kind of uh, starts uh, towards the the tail end of the colonial era, really, and uh, South African society was so deeply influenced by by the colonial powers and um, and, and, and when the protagonist 's children come of age, they are now adolescents. Uh, what is there to do? Well, there's rock and roll to deal with, to listen to, and to be influenced by, and to soak up, and to and to carry forward, and, and so uh, to that extent, um, uh, global culture, Western culture particularly, uh, influences these people who live in this kind of far-off corner of the world, which is Cape Town in the 1950s. Cape Town then was very, very different from what it is now. Now it's a large international metropolis that is on the map. Uh, but but in previous decades that was certainly not the case uh, to the to the same extent.
0: Yeah, one of the things I mean you could also see it as a book about Cape Town or a particular part of Cape Town. Um, it's almost like a little bit of a love story to to some aspect of Cape, Cape Town's history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or would I be wrong in saying?
1: Well, that? no. I mean it it had to be said somewhere, and and you kind of have to write about what you know. Mm-hmm. And having uh, been uh, raised in the city. Um, and also in some of the, the, the surrounding areas in Cape Town, like Salt River and Woodstock and uh, the Boer Cups, Gochesklouw, etc. I had some familiarity with, with with those areas and and with the lives that were lived in those areas, um, lives that were that didn't have particular a particularly loud voice at the time. Um, uh, in the scheme of things. And so people simply muddled along and tried to keep out of sight and get mm. through their lives. Uh, and, you know, I think of, of, of people I used to know who who um, might have been aware of of the broader political issues but didn't really want to get involved.
0: Mm. But I thought maybe the, the, ta- the, the town or Cape Town itself, the city, is, is a little bit more than just a, a, a convenient setting because, I mean, it, is a, it was a city that's kind of marginal, globally at that stage, at least. Well, still now to some extent, but then, and you talk about sort of people are marginalized within this city. There's a little bit more, you know, like Woody Allen's stuff with New York. It's more than just a... Yes. It it, it becomes a little bit of a character in there. That's right, yeah. I thought you did a little bit of that with Cape Town.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for example, I'm just recalling now, uh, there's an uh, an episode where this lady goes to the Grand Parade, and the Grand Parade uh, is a place where people make speeches, and there's a lot of commercial activity and this and that and the other, and she listens to the speech by a trade unionist who who gives her all of this um, socialist rhetoric, you know, and she doesn't quite know what to make of it, but uh, the Grand Parade is an iconic space in, in, in Cape Town, it's opposite the City Hall, and I mean, it doesn't feature in the book, but Nelson Mandela's first speech was made uh, there, and um, and so... The 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 city plays an important role. The structure of the city, uh, I think, is is uh, something that features in the book.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell me the, um something else. No, I, something I, wanted to ask you. Um, I wanted to ask you still about music. We'll talk about that now. But you were talking about the, the city. Do you want to say something about pop culture in the book? Well, so just, like
1: I just want to share. Uh, last night, uh, Desmond sent me a link to a song. Um, it was Elvis Presley's Guitar Man that, was, uh, that he played in the 1968 NBC special. Uh, he said this is in preparation for tomorrow, so, so <laughs> I listened to that to prepare. Uh, I would guess
0: sing later. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you have any pop music fantasies as a, as a kid? Did I think everybody song?
1: does really, you know, you mm-hmm. want to be Eric Clapton and mm-hmm. be a guitar hero and then reality needs to be confronted at some point. So, uh, so I think all uh, young people um, probably had some kind of uh, um, a fantasy about, about being a, a rock musician. Yeah. Um, yeah. I sought refuge in academia.
0: No. <laughs> it's a different kind of rock star. Yeah. <laughs> the, the book is written in English, but, in, but especially the, the dialogue is sort of a particular kind of Capetonian English. or you draw a lot on i assume memories of, of, of the, also the texture of the language itself yeah,
1: uh, l- yeah look i, I mean uh, in in uh, in, the, in the inner city Cape Town and surrounding areas, um, where Afrikaans was spoken um, by by colored and Indian communities, it was of a particular nature, and so that was the kind of Afrikaans that I kind of soaked up uh, to ek kekroyet, uh which is a bit different from the Afrikaans that one would speak in a lecture hall, for example, which is more formal Afrikaans. Um, but, but so some of that, uh, um, some of the Af- Afrikaans' influence uh, can be felt in the English that is spoken in the yeah. book.
0: You yeah. know. I was interested in, and that's really by Afrikaanse word that sort of inglip in the in the dialogue and, and words are often even not familiar to an Afrikaans speaker because it's very specific sort of, I assume, sort of um, uh, part of Muslim culture maybe specifically in Cape Town. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. And, and I hope I, I try to explain it in such a way that uh, that it could be comprehended by by people from,
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it, it, I think it's really one of the nice things about it that, that, that also part of the texture of everyday life is also the texture of language and, That's right. and how it sounds and, and, and so on. For example,
1: mm-hmm. um, there's there's one occasion where someone wants to borrow something, and the mother sends the child, go and ask so and so to borrow me her, whatever it is, to, to borrow me her uh, plate. Um, now, that is grammatically incorrect. In, in English, you don't. Can I borrow? Can you please borrow me your your plate? That that's wrong to say that. Um, but in Afrikaans, you say me lien," and that is perfectly fine. So it's the it's the actual literal translation of the Afrikaans into English that doesn't work in English, but you kind of know what what is meant by, by, yeah. by that. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me the, the one of the things that you you also said earlier that in some ways it. It, if it, it's a little bit of a love, love song then to, to the 20th century. Um, I want to ask you about nostalgia. And in yes. some ways, you sort of engage a little bit with nostalgic sort of recreation of a particular world. And in South Africa, maybe because of the, the way our past is politicized, nostalgia is, is like a difficult thing to negotiate.
1: So. Yeah, no, it's a completely difficult thing to. And I, I think to some extent I do romanticize the past uh, perhaps to a, to an inordinate Degree, um, but you know when people rode horses and carriages, um, or rode the trams, uh, and when men wore hats, for example, um, and and walking sticks, and um, there, there, there's something about the flavour of that lifestyle that that I was trying to capture and to convey to readers in in the present historical moment, which. Where where there's not even an awareness of 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 the special past that we might have had,
0: but but is it more than, than telling uh, readers about that it existed? Or is there also some kind of cultural critique of the present in there? Or am I reading too much in it? In uh,
1: you know, I didn't deliberately set out to to do a cultural critique of the pre- present, mm-hmm. but I, I, if 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 that's what emerges, then then perhaps that what that's what might be read into it. Um, uh, it seems to me as if uh, we live a life of convenience, and the more convenient life is, the better it is supposedly. Um, you can do anything at the, the press of a button. With you know, you can you can join a, a social protest by just liking it on Facebook, and then all of a sudden you're an activist. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think there's something lost there. Yeah. Uh, there, there. There's some of the depth of engagement that that, that, that is potentially lost um, with with all the technology that we have surrounding us. Um, and you know, simple things like people going to visit each other. I don't know, but it, it you have to kind of make appointments now to to to, to make that happen. You know. Uh, rather than just dropping in and sitting on the stoop and looking at the stars and those kinds of things which, I uh, not know, in, in my present life it, it doesn't come all that easily or naturally any longer.
0: Yeah, because I was wondering sometimes in the reading this kind of thing where especially it's not just that it's about the past but that, that the past is evoked with particular kind of I like the word texture actually. And maybe what what we do somehow lose today sometimes is exactly sort of the texture of you know, it's almost like life becomes a little bit bland, you know, or, or, yeah. or, or superficial, or artificial, yeah. um, yes. in the, sort of the Facebook life, you know, um, Twitter life, and so on. Yeah. You know. yeah. But on the other hand, nostalgia is also a difficult uh, thing for, for a writer to negotiate because people might say, you know, like, no, you're not paying enough attention to, to oppression, for example. How can yeah. you celebrate life um, okay. when it was difficult for people, that kind of thing? Yeah. You, did you, well, um.
1: Again, I I was trying not to, I think political books are important and necessary, and I was trying not to write a political book because it's just been done so many times uh, by by far more capable people. Um, But but I also think even in socially disadvantaged communities, it's not like people were depressed all the time. They were busy having fun too, Mm. some of the time at least and and, and let 's focus on that a little bit and 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 let 's extract some of the richness uh, that can be extracted um, uh, for example, lots of things have been written about district Six and the culture and the vibrancy and the cosmopolitan nature of of of, of that uh, uh, place at the particular time, uh, which I think is is fine it 's it's, it's good to do that and which is not to uh, take away or minimise the level of oppression that people experienced. Um, uh, so, so the, it's. I don't think it needs to be kind of an either or. This, mm. either, either you know the, the cultural richness or the political oppression. It's. Mm. it's both this particular book seeks to place a a, a different emphasis on on people's experiences.
0: Mm. But it does, um, I could say maybe that one of its political tasks is to say that experience in everyday life and the ordinary is quite important, I would would think. Well, it has a particular kind of, you know, it's it's also different, it's a different kind of way of writing history. It's not sort of the top-down history, but it's sort of...
1: uh, It's very much a bottom-up history. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I, I never consciously thought about this in the writing of the book. Quite honestly, I was having fun yeah. and and trying to play with words and trying to write creatively and, and trying to figure out what can I make up as a story that is plausible, that is interesting to read. Uh, but it was more about, I think the, the emphasis of the book was on me trying to, I don't know, play with words a little bit, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it appears as if, I suppose from an unconscious point of view. Uh, th- what, what you say kind of emerges in the process of the writing and, and it's the, the everydayness uh, and the mundane details of, of people's lives that that cumulatively and, and collectively make up uh, uh, the, the synergy of, of, of the story.
0: Yeah, uh, An Afrikaans author, Elsa Uber recently wrote uh, an autobiography about her own growing up. <clears throat> she talks about going to the 1938 voortrekker, die gedenk and so on. And, and the wonderful thing about that is exactly also reading it from that perspective. And you get a sense, it doesn't want, doesn't want to, to legitimize anything, but it shows how everyday, how history works from the perspective of active sort of subjects who are basically making their lives and so yes. on. So yeah. now you you constantly claim that you're just having fun and that there's your scientific <laughs> scholarly work and there's the novel stuff. Um, isn't there like some kind of implicit psychology in, in what you were doing as a novelist? Then?
1: I, I, I've been asked this question uh, before. And if you think about the life trajectory of a person, um, and if you, if, you, if you really wanted to, you could say... Um, uh, there, there, there's a theorist in, in psychology whose name is Eric Erickson. And Eric Erickson used to write about the life stages of people, you know, from early childhood and middle childhood, adolescence and early adulthood, and middle age and old age, and the different kinds of crises that people need to negotiate uh, over the course of their lifespan. Incidentally, um, the empirical research on Erikson's theory uh, seemed to refute the theory that things don't quite unfold in such a linear mechanistic um, trajectory. Um, so but but I mean, if, if from a f- symbolic point of view, I suppose one could say it's an Ericksonian story, It could also be a Freudian story because you know he deals with these the protagonist in the story deals with his burgeoning sexuality mm. uh, and and this is not he doesn't quite know how to deal with some of these things, um, but but there, there, there are those aspects of 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 his life that 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 are written about as well, yeah.
0: I actually would have read it, if I, if, I, if I may, almost as like a critique of Ericksonian uh, yeah, uh, psychology, because in Erikson, we're not going to talk academic stuff, but, <laughs> but in Erikson, you have this, this theory of the individual developing through life, but I still see that as quite an like, individual-centric kind of thing. It's the individual who constantly has to sort of uh, create some kind of closure but, yeah, your story is interesting because the individual is constantly look at, looked at in, in terms of relationships and family structures and so on. So I think it socializes a little bit the, the, the sort of mainstream American idea of how individual life yes, unfolds. That's right, yeah.
1: that's right. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the current developmental psychologists, uh, especially those who locate themselves to the left of the political uh, spectrum, are very critical of Erickson and you know, feel that it's, it's, a, it's a particular bourgeois, middle class, uh, white American, uh, suburban kind of unfolding of, 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 of someone, of, of the lifespan. Uh, I must confess, my academic hat was completely off uh, when I was writing this book, and so I, uh, Erickson and Freud and all of these people didn't even occur to me at a conscious level, but perhaps uh, maybe unconsciously, although I don't believe in an unconscious. Because <laughs> you can't measure it, you see. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. I'm um, trying to provoke you, Desmond. Yeah. So. Um, well, yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the, the interesting thing, though, is that, but, but do, you think, do you think there's something about the relationship between psychology and, and literature that could be productive? Or, or do you think they are yeah. actually just two separate kinds of things?
1: no uh, look in, inevitably um, all literature i think is is in some sense psychological, mm-hmm. and there's a rich tradition in psychology of 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 literature i mean people who um, who uh, 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 literary critics won't be able to do their job without Freud, for example, I don't think. Um, uh, all the, the, the post-colonial theorists who, who, who look at literature owe a, a, a debt to, to, to Freudian thought at, at some level. Uh, so I, I don't think uh, there's any way that one can separate out psychology, and literature. I think they, they kind of interweave with each other all the time. Um, because uh, psychology, I think, is a story of, of people and the story of people's behavior and their relationships and uh, their lives. There are different ways of telling the story, um, but I think literature is about story as well. Yeah, It has to be.
0: I mean, one of the things that I think <clears> that's <throat> interesting about Freud, <clears throat> maybe, not, maybe not only Freud, but I mean, the early Freud wrote that psychopathology of everyday life. And what Freud did really was to sort of remind people that everyday life, ordinary stuff like a slip of the tongue yeah. or these kinds of stuff, that these are important things, that you can elevate ordinary things to significance, which is in some ways what, what, what literature does sometimes. You know, it's like take the, the things that one would easily neglect and make okay. this somehow important you know, yes. cool. yeah. Yeah. for grasping, getting some access to people's lives and so on. Okay. But do you not think it's psychology, we, we've said that liter- literary theorists and so on pay attention to psychology, Freud and psych- Lacan and all these things. Mm-hmm. But do we not in psychology maybe not take writing or literature? seriously enough. Yeah. Do we not neglect it too much?
1: I, I think there are aspects of look, there are different ways of doing psychology yeah. and and uh, you, you get people who do autoethnography, ethnography, for example, as a psychological study uh, or, or people who do psychohistory as a, as a sci- psychological study and there's a great deal more in common with the literature tradition then you get people who are um, hard-nosed scientists who want to uh, observe and measure everything, and, and that's kind of at the other end of the continuum. Um, and I think in that area, there's there's perhaps um, it's the, the the there's a potential for for greater conversation between psychology and yeah. and, and literature.
0: But I sometimes think that maybe at the hard nosed sort of scientific uh, level. Because people still use language to write. And even though it's yeah. sort of form, formulaic and so on, it's, it's rhetorical, it's, it's language. So I think a, an awareness of what one does with, with language or with telling a story. Because yeah. you're always telling some kind of story, even Correct. if you write a, yeah. a, a very sort of yeah. hard I thing. mean,
1: an example that comes to mind is a word like a research subject. A subject. Well, a subject is someone that is subjected to something. And what are they subjected to? They're subjected to an experiment, or they're subjected to... Something being done to them, so there is an inherent uh, dimension of power in the use of the word subject. So a lot of researchers are less comfortable these days with with using the the word subject because it has all of these implications. So other words sometimes get used like participant or you know etc. So um, so words uh, play an important role in signalling. The, the ideological framework within which research is is is, is conducted as well.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I read once a, a book called The Stubborn Particulars of Social Psychology. Actually you thought of it when I read your novel. Because yeah I have to sort of stubborn particulars. These particular things, these aspects of human lives, it can't easily be incorporated into big stories about them, whatever story it may be, nationalism or whatever. And this person reread a whole bunch of famous psychology experiments. They went back to the original data and saw what, what the authors or the researchers had to sort of repress to some extent to make it work. Yes. For example, Milgram, his famous study, a social psychologist studied aggression in the, uh, or obedience in the lab. So that people laughed and stuff, and that's never in the research proposal oh you know, right, right, right so yeah. these particular things about yes. that life so i thought yeah. I think that 's something that psychologists could could learn from from novelists also just this attention to to, to everyday life yeah.
1: you, you know that 's an interesting thing because in, in a research article you can 't write about everything that you see, and so uh, certain things are salient, and so certain things are not. the question is what is salient and for whom is it salient and what are the lenses that one uses to appraise what one observes and what one chooses to focus on. Mm. And invariably it's influenced by one's background, one's society, one's political uh, uh, context, etc. And probably... Uh, uh, when, when you see the finished article, you don't see the, the subtext and the context yeah. uh, uh, that, that has led to the production of, yeah. of, of a scientific study.
0: Yeah. I just want to check our time. Would you mind if people uh, ask you a question yeah, please, from Please, absolutely. <coughs> 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 Ones kindle- I mean, yeah. uh, onf- uh, het kaap of die boek any questions or comments have you heard? The name of Galeel. Khalil.
1: Ja, of Galeel, yes, it's a interesting name. I had a big problem with names for the characters te give. I uh, was, not specifically with Khalil, but with the other characters, uh, there was, I was trying to think of creative names that, were also plausible. Khalil, uh, the, the Arabic transla- it's an Arabic word that translates as the companion and the theme of companionship is part of, is, is kind of written about in this book Um and then is he alone with his ma and then the issue is his, his mother's companion but TB carries her off as well and so he's the companion to other people um, and then as he grows older, he finds a wife and he's a companion there and he has friends and he's a companion, so the, the, the notion of companionship is the theme the book
0: people
1: Sorry very interesting in in menat al the it it 's not autobiographical it cannot be um because the story begins in the early part of the twentieth century in an and the character um and then he dies and so clearly from a logical point of view uh, it it's it 's not autobiographical um, however i think um, there was a hypothetical aspect to it. If I were born at that particular time, what would life be like? What would it be like to be a young child or an adolescent or a young adult? Uh, um, groter rak in die context, met die geschiedenis, met die gebietenis uh, in die omgeving? um But so did uh as, who said it was? Uh, so I, I try to imagine what what things might have been like, I suppose, um, and uh, um, tragedies happen to to the character and I mean things that have never really happened to me, and so I needed to put myself in that point of view in that in that situation um, to imagine what I would be feeling and thinking and 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 experiencing um if if i had been in in such a situation so to some extent to, to that extent uh i don't know if you can call it autobiographical there's another aspect though um the stories in the book uh what ek net opgetal uh, um, uh, what i go and ek it for under in 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 the book gesit uh, things that have happened to other people, things I read in books, things I saw on TV um, that, uh, that, um, that I thought would make for interesting, funny, humorous uh, stories. Uh, so the, those things made their way into the book. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and other characters, because I can understand it, you are not the main character, but some of the characters are very vividly drawn. For example, the trip to India is very vivid. Today, did you did you use personal experience to...?
1: I have been to sense India. Sense. Um uh, I uh, speel cricket in India. Ek could nooit cricket gespeel nie. Uh uh in uh, he doen allerhande goed in India wat nooit samen met Um <laughs> so um I think there the issue was um going from this country to another country um and and seeing that place from the eyes or the lens of someone who had grown up in South Africa, uh, and 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 looking at ways in which there are cultural matches or mismatches uh, between between someone from this country and and the context there. Mm. Um, yeah. So the actual literal events are fictitious, mm. uh, but perhaps some of the the lenses might might have some resonance. Yeah.
0: I was also wondering which authors. Sort of inspired you, or do you have favourites that sort of that that, you, that sort of inform your writing? Um, look, I've uh, over the years I've
1: probably read most of the classics, and and um, I found that um, a lot of writing. What uh, what I wanted to do was write a book that would invite readers to read it because sometimes you 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 read a book that doesn 't want to be read um, and and sometimes you read a book that that really wants to be read and so um i don 't know if you know what i mean if If you open a book and the text is very fine and close together, and you know there's um, uh, so um a book that that kind of captures one 's attention. Uh, the authors that I uh, have read, with Salman Rushdie, for example, um, and and some of his writing is incomprehensible. My um, Anus, is by But Midnight's nice Children, for example, is one of one of the books that I, I quite like and sometimes read uh, more than have read more than once. Um, uh, there's. Um, uh, there's a, a, an author whose name is Khalid Dusseini who wrote The Kite Runner and *A mm. Thousand Splendid Sons Whose books I also quite enjoyed and whose books I found, you know, quite, mm. quite, quite readable um, Which is not to say that this book has anything in common with that But I just found those, those books um, those book interesting Dickens, of course, is something that one always goes back to um, You know, every now and again um,
0: because yeah. mm. there is sort of a transnational Indian English literature. Uh, do you see That's the book right. as sort of part of that genre or not really? Um,
1: you know, one of the judges for the competition, the European Union um, uh, Literary Award, uh, said that it, it kind of brings into focus the whole idea of Cape Town as an Indian Ocean city, yeah. Um, and I suppose one can see that, uh, one, one, can, one can make that argument. I didn't deliberately set out to, 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 to do that, but I, but I think um, um, there the, are the various uh, um, Indian English authors like um, Naipaul, for example. Um, I hope I'm not going to be associated with Naipaul because uh, I don't like the character of Naipaul that much. Um, not that Salman Rushdie is, you know, uh, all that great as a as a as a personality. Mm. I mean, the 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 political and social and cultural mm. uh, aspects of of what he writes and what he says that that I find a little bit problematic. Yeah. Um, Arundhati Roy is one of the mm. one of the great um, activists in, yeah. in in literature. You know, um, whose whose work I've I've also enjoyed. Yeah.
0: Actually, it's interesting that you mentioned V.S. Naipaul because <clears throat> I actually thought that the book reminded me a little bit of <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, a lovely novel by V.S. Naipaul called Half Alive, which is also, have you read it? it no. it's, a, it's a wonderful book. It's also this ordinary character and he he, he sort of, and the book is set on three continents. His first is in the West Indies and he lives in um, in London and he comes to, I think, Tanzania or Mozambique, I'm not sure. And it's, it's similar, it's like the book really stays with the ordinary and it's just sort of this, this, this ordinary guy. It's a really incredible book. I know that Naipaul's got very problematic political ideas and he's like a complete maniac, it seems. Um, but, but yeah, I, I thought that the two books actually reminded me of one another. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll check it out. I think my problem with Naipaul is that um, I think he's very condescending towards uh, people who have um, ex- who have undergone the colonial experience, uh, as if they're not quite civilized um, and haven't quite reached the level of European high culture. Sure. Uh, mm. So, so, so yeah. that I mean uh, that 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 kind of opinion I, I just you know condemn completely.
0: Mm. Yeah, I thought that I mean that this book doesn't have that sort of Napoleonic. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what you would call it. but it's sort of he does look down at the sort of colonial. Places he writes about sometimes, you know, that sort of, it's sort of quaint or um, underdeveloped um, or something. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I,
1: he wrote something about Africa recently, in mm. like the last five years or something, yeah. which was, which I, th- I thought it was quite insulting actually. Yeah, uh, uh,
0: uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But read half a life. It's really, yeah. it's ex- really beautiful book. Um, and, any other questions for for Ashraf? Comments? Yep, yeah, daar was a vraag. <coughs> Um, ek weet ek het een
1: antwoord vir u. Um, Daar da was nie een eindelike oorspronkelike rede nie. Um, ek het dit een bykie met my rekenaar, um, uh, toe ek moe geraak het van uh, artikels skryf, wetenschappelijke artikels skryf, um, en ek het net uh, storykies opgemaak, uh, wat niks te doen het, saam met elkaar gehad het nie. And then eventually it kind of formed some kind of overarching story. Um, I, I wish I had a good answer, um, but there was no muse or there was no um, 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 event that precipitated this. I couldn't sit in en in in met Wurda, in Parakrava, in Sina, in uh, 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 to basic it for, 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 for me So I showed it to my wife for example and she said well you know why don't you develop it and make something of it uh, and, and to uh, na lang tijd het ik meer ernstig geraak om, om eindelijk a boek te skryf en, en a, a, a hele story te ik ek,
0: ek wonder soms nogal wat die <coughs> die speel there's psychology there as well, something about our relationship to play and to language, you know, the need to sort of use language differently from communication or technical things. What do you think that's about? You know?
1: um, well, look, I, I try to uh, not make a clear boundary between work and play anyway, uh, because we are fortunate, I think, our kinds of jobs, which uh, our jobs are quite enjoyable, I would say. Um, and and the the act of writing for me is is in some sense a release mm. um, and and it's a form of expression and um, and sometimes one thinks more clearly having written or there's a there's an interplay between the written word and and one's thinking mm. and writing at least for me helps to clarify some of my thoughts um, so I think there's there's some aspect. Of it there um, but but also writing funny things and silly things and things that don 't necessarily need to make sense and um, and writing things that um, uh, one doesn't actually have to judge. You know, mm. with, with, with academic writing, there's a lot of judgment. You know, this is a good study, that's a bad study. Look how they treated these data. What kind of analysis did they do on, 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 on those data? So there's a lot of judgment. But with with this, I thought, well, to heck with the judgment. Let me just be and write and, and be free. Mm. Um, so So that was... The liberation that I experienced, I suppose.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, writing is an act of self-liberation. Is <laughs> a
1: good thing? Is that a good thing? I'm dabbling. Okay. Um, it, it's quite okay. possible that this could be a one-hit wonder. In, <laughs> um, so, I'm going to a and Manda of Yara, a 400 book via Smar. I don't want to publicly declare that that's the case.
0: I suppose you're going to write an admin. No, we certainly do hope you write another one. Um, even though, as you know, in pop music, the one-eat wonder is like a there's a proud tradition of this. That. So that's true. <laughs> um, I think we have to wrap it up. So, thank you for coming. Is there any vraag? Ach ja, ik maar nog geen vraag
1: doen. A, wat bedoel, wat stop bedoel? Ja. Ik heb daar woord gehoord, ja. Ik ja. Um, weet niet waar dat vandaan kom niet. Maar mensen gebruikt het, of heeft het, het gebruikt misschien jaren geleden. I haven't heard it recently. Uh, ja, ik kan het geluid. Ik ja. heb het niet uh, uh, nou geworden, nie, maar jaren geleden toe mij grote uh, uh, het geleerheid etele daarvoor worden gebruik, Ja. Ik ja.
0: heb nog tyd vir een vraag. hy sê nee. baie kort vraag.
1: Um, prijs was een verrassing. Allet me uh, die um, Jacana die pers. Het meegenoei om um, uh, iets beter om iets beter wonen Johannesburg. Allet um, Johannesburg. Ack uh, uh, the press of ack the press can to sit on Sitons the people who were nominated for, for, for the prize, and to Leersle Stickies van Ons Booker uh, Eight, and that was a hoor, um, and to Leer to Sella, and the winner is Khalil's Journey. To was a Giltemal for Bass, <laughs> Ambasses, you ask us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, I think we shall <laughs> stop. <laughs>
0: Ja. Kijk okay, bij, dank je dat jullie gekomen. Dank je, Arjan. Bij, dank je. Bij, Thanks, Desmond. Thank you very much.